Hello there, welcome to another episode of the Capital Employed Podcast. This week I had the pleasure of being joined by both Alex Gain and Fraser McCursey, managers of the Unicorn UK Growth Fund. These guys have achieved fantastic results by investing in some of the best growth businesses listed in London. In this episode, Alex and Fraser talk about the fund's investment style and strategy. They also discuss their thesis for investing in two high quality companies that they feel can keep growing at a good rate for many years to come. This was a great episode and I think you will really enjoy it. Before we start, make sure to add your email to the Capital Employed email list. We will be publishing some exclusive interviews that will only be available to those on the list. To receive these bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployed.fm forward slash exclusive and add your email to the list. Also, if you listen to this podcast on the Apple Podcast Player, we would really appreciate it if you could leave a review, as the feedback is extremely useful. Okay, let's get on with this episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Alex and Fraser. Hi Alex and Fraser, thank you for both coming onto the podcast. Can you provide an overview of the Unicorn UK Growth Fund? The clue is in the title of course, but can you tell us what the objective and the investment style of the fund is? Sure. Well, hi, hi everyone. This is, is Fraser McCosey speaking. So the Growth Fund is, is a, a UK equity fund that I've been managing for, for over 10 years. It's a multi-cap approach. It's a high conviction fund. And, and as the name would suggest, we're very much focused on growth orientated companies. And, and in the growth space, there's lots of different ways you can approach growth investing. The approach that we take, and, and it's something we like to call genuine growth. So we, we like to back individual companies, you know, regardless of market cap size, that we think have the ability to grow significantly organically over our investment horizon, which is around three to five years. And, and that really underpins everything that we do. If, if they make acquisitions and, or anything else in addition to that core growth, then, then that's great. But we really need to see that strong organic growth prospect from our, our UK listed businesses. What's the process you go through to find these stocks? Yeah, so we do have a rigorous and disciplined process. So that typically involves a a regular proprietary screen, which really does focus on all the key metrics that we look for. Uh, So Fraser mentioned the the focus on on earnings growth. We're trying to find companies which uh, have historically delivered high levels of earnings growth and are expected to uh, in the future. We only invest in profitable businesses. So that really is the, the initial screening metric that we reduce the investable universe on. Cash generation is very important. So uh, we look for companies that are delivering positive free cash flow. Uh, and then we're also looking at companies with very strong balance sheets as well. I think this all plays into the, the characteristics that we look for in businesses, really enable, enabling the, the company to deliver a sustainable self-funding growth profile. So companies which are growing at good rates organically, they're generating cash, that in turn allows them to reinvest that cash back into the business at high returns on invested capital, and that ultimately drives the future growth. So you, 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 we're looking for this, um, this self-funding, sustainable growth profile into the future, which compounded over many years can be the, the key engine of long-term performance. I think if I'm right, you've got over 50 stocks, is that correct, overall? 
Yes, yeah. so we run the, as I said earlier, it's high conviction, which means in, in our terms, that's kind of between 30 and, and 50 stocks. And, uh, and we're, we're kind of towards the top end of that range at the moment. But, um, but yeah, we, we've, we've maintained that, that approach over a number of years. So I think, you know, the high conviction approach is, is important for a number of reasons. I think, you know, it clearly focuses the mind on every company in there needs to be pulling its weight in terms of the overall growth that the portfolio can produce. And, and also, you know, we do take a lot of time meeting our investee companies as well. And, and we think, you know, the 30 to 50 is, is a manageable sensible number combined with relatively low levels of turnover over the life of the fund you know we think this is an efficient way to run the portfolio so yes we're in that kind of 30 to 50 and have been consistently for a number of years so if we could jump into your portfolio uh, could could you talk us through two of the stocks that you're very bullish on for the long term and what was your thesis for investing yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've got nearly 50 stocks we're, we're bullish on for the, the long term, but we'll, we'll try and pick out two of our larger holdings that we, we think will be interesting. So the first one I would start with is, is Frontier Developments. This is one of our largest holdings. It has been for a number of years. I think we've been investors in this for, for seven or eight years. And this is a, a computer game developer. So, you know, your listeners may not be aware of, of Frontier, but they may have heard of some of their games. Elite is, is the main one. This is the one where it, where it all started. But as this business continues to grow and, and develop, they you know they continue to add new titles to to the roster, and and obviously those new titles are added. They come out more frequently, and, and you go from just being one new game, possibly every couple of years in in the early stages of a computer game developer, to sometimes you know there could be multiple releases in in any given year as time goes on, and and this is the kind of the. The trajectory that this business is following, and 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 one that's been very very successful within the portfolio, so it's a really interesting business. The guy who founded it is still a significant shareholder and, and runs the business, and that's something we we look favorably on. We think our interests are aligned. It's IP rich because it is developing the games itself. It, it owns the IP, and um, and there's some great opportunities to continue to. To kind of grow even older games as well, and, and this is the, the interesting part. So Frontier have, have just gone through a you know a year end, and um, they didn't actually release any new games during that period, any major releases, and yet it was a record year in terms of revenue. And I think this is an interesting point with gaming because it does highlight the, the change that we've seen in, in all sorts of industries. We've seen a move from physical sales to, to digital sales, and, it, and it's been the same in gaming as well. So you don't go to game and, and buy a, a disc and, and play the game and, and the transaction is finished at that point. Now you will download the game. You will probably play against friends online. And then you will also add on to that. So you may you may buy supplementary, in this case, spacecraft or, or additional features that you want to add, or there may be an update to the game that you, you want to purchase. So instead of just being a, a one-off transaction, you know, it's actually a long-term engagement that that customers have and the players of the game have and and obviously from a from a business perspective that's that's really interesting to us so as i say we've been investors in this for a number of years it's done very well during that period but the, as time goes on we, we kind of get more and more excited about the prospects because this kind of portfolio of games and ip continues to grow and the opportunity in our mind can continues to grow as, as time goes on as well yeah i think the frontier is a really interesting one and um one part of that business model that the market doesn't necessarily appreciate is just how valuable the internal, internally generated uh, IP is. So the company has been developing its own gaming engine over many, many years now. So whilst the market is often looking at the success of the next game release, 
we see the true value of this business in the um, many millions of hours of work and millions of pounds spent on generating this proprietary gaming engine internally. So we think that's a really attractive part of the business. Touching on the second stock, a company called AlphaFX. Uh, this is a foreign exchange services provider. Uh, we've been invested in this company since IPO in 2017. Uh, it's another company that's done amazingly well since we invested. It's grown its revenues by over 50% per annum over that time period. The share price has appreciated from uh, just under £2 at the point of IPO to, to around about £16 today. I think what's fascinating with this business is when we invested, it was a, a traditional FX services business calling the lights of ASOS and various other high-profile businesses amongst its customer list. And it was really designed to offer its customers a service to hedge their foreign exchange exposure for their overseas operations. I think over the last few years, we've seen it evolve to more of a tech-enabled business. Uh, Its suite of products has expanded materially. It's now targeting the institutional market uh, and also very interesting and exciting for us. Uh, They've developed what they call the alpha platform business, and that is more of a tech-enabled facilitator of international payments for for some of its its customers. So we think this, this shift from a traditional FX services business to a technology-enabled high-service offering to its customers is very, very attractive. Yeah, so, you know, both examples there, you know, they're, they're both run by the, the guys who founded them, who maintain significant shareholders. That's something that they both have in common. You know, they've both delivered very, very strong growth over the past few years. They're, they're significant positions for us still within the portfolio. And and yet the opportunity, you know, remains vast for both, we think, and, and they can do that organically. I think one, one thing that we, you know, we haven't touched on is that the organic growth story has to be there for us to, to invest and continue to invest. If deals come along and, and companies that we invest in wish to undertake M&A, then we'll, we'll look at that selectively and, and be supportive if we can, if we think it, it makes strategic sense. But I think underlying that core organic growth engine has to be there and, and that's there very strongly in, in both of these businesses. Would there be any other reasons to sell? Would a high valuation be a factor? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the way that we look at growth, you know, we we don't want to overpay for for kind of modest growth. I guess that's one challenge that we have in the growth space. There's lots of companies out there that are, are deemed to be growth stocks and they deliver growth and they deliver it very predictably, but it's fairly modest in scale. And um, and you can pay quite high multiples and you can get relatively low levels of earnings growth. I think we approach the growth area slightly differently. So we, you know, we don't mind paying a, a slightly higher multiple than you'll see on the broader market. We're comfortable with that, but only if we think it's justified by the growth that that company can produce. So peg is a, is a kind of key ratio for us. I think when that gets out of sync and, and when a company is, is kind of approaching maturity and it still maintains that quite lofty valuation, but the growth is starting to slow, um, then clearly, you know, that's something that we need to consider. And I think that's the, the real, in terms of valuation, that's the real balancing factor for us. 
you know, the companies have to continue to, to justify their position in a, in a growth fund by delivering that growth and, and delivering, a, a, we think, an, an attractive valuation to, to purchase that growth opportunity. And are you still finding good opportunities in the UK market? Yeah, we still see plenty of opportunities. Um, I think everyone's aware of how strong the market recovery has been since the, the March lows in 2020. But the, the benefit of having a, a high conviction portfolio is you don't need to find too many new names to make a, a meaningful difference. And we see plenty of opportunities for companies that have been left behind, haven't quite kept up with a strong market performance. So, so really a stock pick is that is our, our key focus, just trying to con- continuously identify these, these companies which offer very, very attractive growth prospects. But yet the, the share price and the, the stock, stock valuation hasn't necessarily uh, reflected some of the, the very positive prospects for those businesses. Yeah, so there's definitely opportunities there in, in some of these names that are just the, the, not the obvious recovery plays. I think the obvious stuff performed very well when the vaccine news came out in, in November last year and, and went on a, at a bit of a run. But there's lots of other businesses out there that will equally benefit from life starting to get back to normal in the UK that have, have not moved as much. So there's some, we think, some great opportunities out there in, in those types of names. I think the other thing to mention with this portfolio is we've consistently had quite a strong weighting to the kind of technology space. We like long-term structural growth themes that we can back over a, an extended period. And as a result, we've, we've always had around a kind of 20 to 25% weighting to, to software and computer services in the UK. And, uh, and we think this is an excellent area of the economy. It, it proved its resilience last year and the years prior to that, it proved its growth capabilities. And, and as life starts to get back to normal as well, we, we think that remains a, you know, a really attractive area of the UK market to invest in. That's a really important point. The, the sort of more digital, digitally oriented trends that we've backed for many years, when you, when you look at the, you know, the longer term impacts of the pandemic, I think we can say with, say with a degree of confidence that, that many of these trends will have accelerated. In fact, acceleration by an, a number of years into a few months over the course of the pandemic. So we think the outlook for these businesses is, is very attractive. And I think that's, that's the way that we, we look at the portfolio. You know, we have this core structural growth-driven engine that we think will perform well, you know, almost regardless of economic conditions. And, uh, and we saw the resilience of, of large parts of that last year. And in, in many cases, that accelerated. I think when economic conditions allow, we'll enhance that with, with some interesting cyclical growth as well. And we, we've certainly been doing that a little bit more. So we've been adding a little bit more to the industrial exposure in the portfolio, which we think will have a good um, spell. We, we've been adding selectively to some of the domestic names, as I touched on, that we think have been left behind by the, the kind of recovery rally. So in addition to that core structural element of the portfolio, there's, there's some interesting opportunities around the outside as well. Okay. As growth investors focused on the UK, do you find it encouraging to see more tech companies listing in London, such as Darktrace and Wise, for instance? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, the, the IPO market is cert- certainly very buoyant at the moment. Um, we seem to be our attention seems to be brought to a number of IPOs seemingly on a, on a weekly basis at the moment. And I think the ones that you refer to there, it's encouraging to see more technology-oriented companies choosing to list on London, on the London Stock Exchange. That's always been a, uh, a common perception of UK markets is that there is a lack of 
investable technology opportunities. Uh, we've seen a, an increase in some fairly large uh, household names that have chosen, chosen to list in London over the past few months. So I think that's encouraging for the, for the broader UK market ecosystem. Uh, I think you know, in terms of IPOs, we, we do participate in IPOs very, very selectively in the fund. Uh, we've done a couple this year. It's, it's interesting at the moment. We do notice that valuations are seemingly getting quite overheated in, in some parts of the market when it comes to IPOs. So we do think it's, uh, it does require a degree of selectivity when, when looking at new issues. But generally, it's, a, it's certainly a, a positive trend that we're seeing. You know, we've always been aware that there's some great smaller software-led businesses you know, coming through in, in the UK. And there's no shortage of those. And there's, you know, there's a very entrepreneurial approach. And, you know, we, we're also in the UK, you know, digital adopters. We, we adopt digital technology and consumer services as, you know, faster than most, most places around the world. So, you know, intuitively, you think there should be more larger investable opportunities in that space. And, and there's not. So anything that kind of redresses that balance is, is, is a positive in our mind. So where can listeners go to find out more information about the Unicorn UK Growth Fund? Yeah, sure. Well, there's lots of different places. You know, the, the, our own website, unicornam.com, is a, is a good place to start. And there'll be fact sheets and, and annual reports and, and some interviews with, with Alex and I, if you do want to hear any more from us. Um, our sales and marketing team, LGBR Capital, um, can also handle other various bits of, of information. And if there's any individual requests, um, info at unicornam.com is, is also a good place to start. And we're, we're more than happy to respond to, to individual queries as well. So so lots of places and all, also all the other websites that have fund performance data are all, all have additional information out there as well. Oh, brilliant. Okay, Alex Fraser, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. It's been a, a real pleasure to listen to you. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks, John. Bye.